Hello, everybody. You are listening to the MS Mobile Show. This is the podcast about Microsoft for Microsoft fans. If you are a Win fan, you're listening to the right show. Kind of. <laughs> On this episode, we're going to be discussing how painful it can be to be a fan of Windows Mobile and if it is worth it. We have two great gentlemen joining us for the show today, and I cannot think of two better fellows to rationally complain about the state of Windows Mobile. My name is Vernon E.L. Smith. I'm joined by David V. Kimball, and I would say that David has, I would say he's had what a, uh, either a breakdown or perhaps a breakthrough, and today we'll get to to find out. David, how you doing, man? Doing great. Earlier you said rationally complain, and... To use that term loosely, rationally. Well, I, I wanted it to be an oxymoron because complaining is not usually rational. There you so go. we'll just see which we'll see which side of the fence we fall on. Alright, so. I must have missed the wit there. But anyway, it's good to be back and I think this is the first time we've spoken since you've been from Ignite, so we'll have to catch up a little bit. Oh yeah, for sure. That that that's true. And I did get a new device, which is uh, we'll have to talk about sometime. We are also thrilled to have Adam Dowd on the show. Adam was a one-time lover of Windows Phone design and theory, but has since expelled the Kool Aid and now drinks a different potion. Adam, welcome to the show today, buddy. Thank you for having me on. It's a it's an honor. It's a privilege, and it's going to be something. It will be something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, many listeners are familiar with Mr. David V. Kimball, but they may not be as familiar with you, Adam. Real quickly, give us your quick, uh, your, I don't know, career highlights or whatever you want to call it. Oh, you're assuming your, I have a career. Your All right. creds. Uh, <laughs> my, my street creds. All right. Well, I got into... I got into the mobile scene with an operating system that's even deader than Windows, uh, WebOS, um, yeah. back in hey. back in 2009. And um, actually, I think that's probably where a lot of us met up. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, since then, um, with the demise of WebOS, and I'm sorry, folks, it is dead. Um, I got into kind of Windows Phone and Android simultaneously. Uh, I ended up with a Lumia 800 and a... Uh, Samsung Galaxy S3, uh, basically within a month of each other. Uh, and so I started playing with both of them, and I decided I liked Windows Phone better, um, unfortunately, because I have a great track record with the mobile operating systems, apparently. <laughs> um, and so I decided I liked Windows Phone better, and that kind of got me tapped into that community, and that turned into a part-time job at Pocket Now. And uh, three years later, I, I came in as a Windows guy, but now I'm pretty solidly on the... Um, well, you know, the Alive operating systems. Uh, <laughs> so, Tizen. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm big into Tizen, Symbian, and, uh, and um, um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't keep a straight face with that. No, so I'm pretty much an Android, <laughs> iOS guy. Um, I, I, you know, I tinker with BlackBerry. I tinker with Windows Phone. I, I'm kind of a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to mobile operating systems. Mm-hmm. And you do podcast, and you can talk about that now or later if you like. Uh, well, I was gonna wait. I was gonna wait for the uh, for the dramatic ending, but yeah, I have uh, <laughs> I have my own podcast called Techbeard T E K B E A R D. Search it on iTunes and Stitcher, um, and uh, and uh, so I, I I podcast over there with uh, two good friends of mine, Cliff and Ryan, uh, Cliff Clifton M Thomas and Ryan Saint Andre. Um, and, uh, yeah, we have a good time over there talking tech, uh, not always mobile. Uh, we kind of delve outside the mobile world because, 
you know, we're all interested in stuff that uh, you can't necessarily put in your pockets. But, sure. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell. I'm also definitely not watching the Cubs game right now, so don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> it is definitely not on on the 55 inch screen behind me muted. Uh... So don't even worry about that. So. Well, just think the listeners of the show already know the outcome, and you don't yet. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, um, but yeah. So if I if I start clapping, um, it's probably not going to be for Satya Nadella. Uh, it's, uh, oh man! But uh, but uh, you know, just saying, you know, two on, only one out. Anyway, uh, so let's uh, let's roll. Let's, let's do it. I, I do have one more question, though, if you don't mind, about WebOS, okay. because you said that's what kind of got you initially into you know, mobile. And yeah. I'm just wondering what in particular about WebOS sort of drew you to it. And then from there, like, how did you move on? What was your painful growing experience from that? Um, okay. So what first drew me into WebOS uh, was hands down the card-based multitasking, which by the way is now present on every other mobile operating system yeah. in the world. Um, but WebOS brought it out first. I watched the introduction of WebOS in 2009 yes. at uh, <laughs> CES. Um, <laughs> that was my wife cheering for a, was that a Jake Arietta home run? Wow. All right. Um, so uh, anyway, so, um, so yeah, I watched uh, John Rubenstein uh, d- demo WebOS and the, Multitasking, and I love the gesture-based interface, and uh, it was just yeah, for sure. It was it was wonderful, and and that's like my my biggest point of pride these days is that the card-based UI is still alive in every major operating system alive today, um, yeah. which is I mean, which just kind of shows Palm got it. <laughs> you know, Palm really understood what what people wanted to do. They just you know didn't have anything beyond that, unfortunately. Um, and then as far as what, um, what made me, what was the second part of the question? It was like, what made it real? What made me move on? Was that? Yeah. Your growing pains. I mean, how did you uh, finally decide that, you know, WebOS was truly dead and it wasn't worth sticking with it? Uh, that's a more complicated question. Um, but I think really what it boils down to is Netflix. Um, at really? the end of a, at the end of the day, I, Netflix is and any, and On any mobile device that I ever pick up, and I'm a reviewer, I've used probably 15 different devices this year. Netflix is always the first thing I always put, I put on. I mean, it's just that's how I roll, you know. I I need to have my house and my Stranger Things, Um, and just the fact that I could never watch Netflix on webOS was just it was it was it killed me. I mean, it really killed me, and that was also, uh, you know. Palm and WebOS is what taught me, and this is a very important lesson, everybody listening to this. Never judge a platform based on what they promise to do tomorrow. Judge mm-hmm. it by what it does today, because I still don't have Flash on my pre-plus, okay? So, <laughs> <laughs> and they promised it was coming. Um, and I, the Atrix 4G Android phone never actually got 4G. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> well, there's... <laughs> That's a different conversation, but um, so that's but that's how I heard I I learned my hardest lesson was you know never judge anything by what is promised to do tomorrow. What it does today, hmm. well, that counts. Isn't that just interesting that you bring that up? Hmm. 
<laughs> All right, before we dig really deep into this, we we gnaw this down to the bone. I want I gotta ask you guys, help me feel understand this. Recently, there was some presidential debate crap, and we gotta I gotta understand what's going on with this Speaking Ken, of bone, this Ken Bone thing. What is this? I don't watch enough Twitter. I guess. Okay, well, um, I'll, I'll I'll jump in if you guys if you guys don't mind. Um, yeah. I did not watch the debate last night. Actually, I was at the Cracker Barrel uh, during the debate because uh, probably my family and I, my family and I went to a, a, a Halloween themed amusement park last night and scared the crap out of my kids. And then we went out to dinner. Um, and uh, <laughs> so had to refill them. Oh man. Uh, well, let's just say we had two extra warm bodies in our bed last night. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, so. I was watching. I, I went. I, I watched a kind of a recap of it, and I came across this BuzzFeed article um, called, and you can Google this, um, or I'm sorry, Bing it. Uh, yes. Thirty-eight <laughs> tweets that sum up the presidential debate, and Ken Bone was right in the middle of this. And this is a guy who, according to one tweet, is the human version of a hug. I mean, he's a he's a big. <laughs> cuddly teddy bear looking guy with a mustache and black rim glasses and a gigantic red sweater and um he's just he's really cute um (laughs) (laughs) uh, and he asked a really really great question um i don't know i don't remember exactly what the question was but it was something like um how how do each of your energy policies um how are they going to address the uh, the economy and you know uh, impending ecological disasters, while still um, you know not bankrupting anybody and not putting anybody out of work. That was basically it. He said it much better than I did because I'm a moron. Um, but um, hey, he had it written out and he was reading from it. You went from improv. So. That's that's true. That's true. So um, plus, and, there's a game on behind you. Right, there is a game on behind you. Three nothing, by the way, Cubs. Um, and. Um, uh, neither president um, actually addressed his answer. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, um, Donald Trump uh, indicated that uh, foreign um, energy companies were uh, attacking American interests and uh, were, had had only their, themselves to gain. And Hillary said, you're right, we need to do something about this, and we are going to do something about this sometime while I'm president. Oh, and yeah. that was it. I mean, it was it was the it was two blissfully political answers. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so that's what. It, but I mean, that's I can kind of see why the internet fell in love with this guy. He's just adorable. Well, I <laughs> think so, also I think maybe we're 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 yearning for sanity again, and that this is a glimpse of kind of reminding us nostalgically of oh. Remember what politics used to be about, yeah. and or, or a campaign or whatever, and I think it just threw everyone off so much. It was just such a breath of fresh air, or maybe a slap to the face <laughs> of wake the bleep up and let's focus on some actual issues here. And I think it. I'm not surprised one bit that the, neither candidate answered it very well at all. Right. And this sucks, and I should stop talking about politics. David, you want to add anything to this before we move I mean, forward? I don't, I don't have much more to say, but I think you're totally right. I think, uh, I think just, I mean, there's so much, there's so many negative feelings towards this whole endeavor, and just this isolated event was like a break 
from it. And so I think exactly what you said, Vernon, I mean, it was people were latching onto it for dear yeah. life. Well, it should be mentioned that presidential debates are rather like golf. Um, you know, the less you say, the better your score. So, you know, the you know, so each candidate is going to try to say a lot without actually saying anything. And like, you know, and then whoever has the lowest score at the end of the day, they, they win the debate. Oh, man. So, that's a really good way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that's right. that's Ken Bone in a nutshell. All right. Well, speaking of latching on to things, uh, David has been part of a community, very strong. He's been very deeply into a community for a very long time. Uh, very uh, deeply, I guess. And then something changed. David, tell us about the actual incident, okay? And then we can talk about what led up to that and all the reasons for it. The actual incident. Um, Basically the, you know, the Twitter post and blog post. Got it. Okay, so I'm not entirely sure what it was in particular that compelled me. But at some point I was like, I was harboring all these feelings of resentment towards Microsoft because kind of what Adam was saying earlier, I mean, one, one, one reason that I really loved what Microsoft was doing is because of their vision and what their plan was and, you know, the bits of execution that were actually occurring to have that plan realized. And soon? I realized that... You mean soon, <laughs> soon, trademark. Yeah, TM, that's right. <laughs> and uh, And I realized, I mean, at some point, I'm like, that's what I'm banking on now, like... With Windows Phone in 2010, it was like, wow, this operating system is like the future, and it has it's just incredible in so many ways. And so 80% of it was what I had then, and 20% was what it could be. And now I feel like with Windows 10 Mobile, we're at 20% what it is and 80% what it could be. Because there's just so much that's lacking right now. And that combined with... I don't think this is particular to the Windows Phone or Windows Mobile community. But I think it's... I think it's sort of a trait in any sort of group of fandom is there's sort of this turning a blind eye to glaring issues <laughs> and that really doesn't <laughs> sit well with me. Uh, I kind of like, I try to weigh things out and there's the naysayers and they're like the avid fans. And I had people that, you know, I consider them friends and well-respected people saying things like, yeah, there are absolutely no problems with Windows 10 mobile. <laughs> and it's like, really? Like... And then they do that thing where they, you know, they might mention a few things that, that they think that could be improved. And it's like, does that mean you're serious? Because there are so many problems with this platform. Like, there's stupid number of things that are wrong with it, in my opinion. But then you have some guys saying, yeah, I did X and Y, and I've never had a single problem with it. And at some point, I'm just like, you know what? I don't really care what anybody else is saying. I don't care what Microsoft is saying they're going to do. I don't really care about any of that. I care about my experience, and it's not the best, and it's not Windows Phone like it was in 8.1 or Phone yeah. 7, and uh, I'm I'm kind of sick of dealing with this because, you know, uh, there's a lot of great Android phones coming out. Like, I'm really excited for Google's Pixel. I, I think the OnePlus 3 is amazing. Like, the Nexus phones look great, and I, the iPhone 7 is could be okay, but I'm more, actually really more excited about some of these newer, higher-end Android phones coming out because android is getting more polished and is getting more solid and windows phone and android are kind of slowly switching places in terms of capability performance reliability etc because it's like that's something i could always tell over android people it's like yeah you can throw random ass widgets oh excuse me my language on your device and stuff 
But at the end of the day, it's going to become a big, ruggedy pile of dust, and my Windows phone is just smooth as butter all the freaking time, no matter what you do to it. So, uh, yeah, now it's kind of reversing. And so, anyway, all that to be said, I had all these realizations and thoughts, and I just wrote kind of a... I didn't really put a lot of thought into it. just kind of a, you know, brain dump blog post about... Yeah, Windows 10 Mobile is not that great. Microsoft, you always screw everything up you touch. I'm sick of it. That's basically what I did. Mm-hmm. You you spoke very intelligently about several different points there. Um, you know, one, um, you know, the fan base turning a blind eye to the obvious glaring omissions. Uh, and, you know, that's... I mean, to me, I, I'm a Cubs fan. Come on. <laughs> if there's anybody who's going to turn a, a blind eye to glaring omissions, it's a Cubs fan. Um, and it's, it's funny because I always considered the WebOS to be the Cubs of the mobile technology because it was always like, oh, this year is going to be great. And last year, that's all right. It was a rebuilding <laughs> year. Um, and, and, you know, it, it could the same could be said for Windows Phone Mobile now. Um, but I think and, – and I have a, a – a, a, loose association of cubs bloggers that i tend to hang around with on twitter and whatnot and and we all are cut from the same cloth in that we will criticize the living hell out of a cubs team because we want them to be so much better you know um i was i was uh i i can't say i was part of the community but i watched as the community developed a new stat um, it, that's used throughout baseball now, and it was based off of the Cubs player Ryan Terrio. It's called the Toot Bland, and Toot Bland is T O O T B L A N, which stands for thrown out on the base pass like a nincompoop. <laughs> oh man! And wow. and that that was a signature move of a Cubs player Ryan Terrio. And I saw the birth of this stat, and then a couple of years later. I, I I read about it in like a Yankees article, and I'm like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> this is a thing now?" And it was it's funny because the only reason that stat exists is because Cubs fans like me and like the people that I hang around with cared about the team so deeply that we would cut into it and rip it to shreds so that we could build it up to be something better. And and I think every fan base needs to have that type of critical and quite frankly um blatant eye to it uh, they just you can't everything it can't be rose-colored glasses because if it is nothing's ever going to get better mm-hmm. yeah that's and a very I, good point i mean so I, yeah <laughs> Go i ahead, think how i how i think that i approach this and hopefully this might be how i am perceived or, or whatever okay i understand that it's very easy for someone to to blanket label me as a fanboy and that's I, I understand that, but I think uh, logic often prevails. Maybe not always. And so, like, just an example is when there is something that is that just sucks. Okay, um, I will make a point to go to the feedback hub and rate it one star or like whatever it is, you know, preferably, and and rank it and say this has so much potential and it is garbage right now, or this is horrible. How you know, like, relatively ranking it pretty lowly lowly ranking it poorly but when it comes to a public criticism and this is probably because i try to manage people in in real life for for money and um and when so i i never criticize someone in public at least a human in public for something but i will step aside and and say you know thank you um 
for trying, but you're doing a poor job at it. Um, Step into privately. my office. Why? Because yeah. you're fired. Sorry, yeah. I, I I censored myself from something about Mary. But anyway, uh. <laughs> that's. Uh, but when like it's with people, if someone does a great job, and the way they with a um, you encourage that behavior is to to recognize them publicly for it, I tend to do that. So on Twitter or like whatever whatever it is, quite often my voice is louder my my praising voice is much more public and louder than my criticizing voice because the criticizing voice is well hidden or private and hmm. maybe that dealing is a with fair a philosophy maybe dealing with a company with 110,000 employees or whatever it is is a little bit different tech company is a little bit different than dealing with a direct report um as in Yes, it's definitely different. So well, now well, there's, to there's few, studies. Oh, go ahead. I was I was gonna say to be fair, you only have a hundred and nine nine hundred ninety five thousand more employees than my company does. So I mean, no big deal. <laughs> um, but no, well, I'm saying Mike. I'm saying Microsoft as the company, not not where I work. Oh, not where you are. Okay, well, but yeah. still, that is a fair philosophy. You know, um, uh, just to kind of summarize, you know, be public about your praise and be private about your criticisms. Yes, and. That is that is a, a decent philosophy. However, it should be mentioned that I mean, I guess I feel as a reviewer, um, I need to be just as public about my criticisms as I am about my praise, and I will be very public about praise. I mean, if I, if there's something that I love, trust me, I will be all over that shiz like 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 flies on poop um but in but if there's something that i uh, that i don't enjoy or there's something that is you know not great then i need to be equally public about that because otherwise um people's because i guess as a reviewer and please don't get me wrong i i don't think anybody cares about my opinion at all uh, but um <laughs> a, as a reviewer in order to be good at my job um i need to help other people see technology in its entirety, not just Correct. the good parts yeah. and not just the bad parts. Because at the end of the day, someone may slap down $400 based on my opinion. And I, mm -hmm. I, and I can't, I can't, I can't stomach not criticizing something, um, you know, as, and there's the one that I forgot to turn off. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't stomach not criticizing something when the, it's it's there and it's going to be the first thing that someone sees when they turn on this thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, like I said, I, I understand your philosophy, but at the same time, I don't know, maybe the squeaky wheel gets the grease? Well, I agree with that. Uh, I If I was reviewing something you know, as my duty or job, it would certainly be much, much different. And I would need to be publicly unbiased. I mean, everyone, David will explain, everyone has a bias, but, right. um, you know, to be balanced, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. There uh, is a fair. fine line I should and say a fine difference. I should say fair. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say before, David? Well, I mean, this all goes to Adam's point too. I mean, and it's kind of funny because they've done studies and if, uh, on Twitter accounts that are more positive, they gain and retain followers. But a Twitter account that is consistently negative gets unfollowed and, and does not get more followers. They, they found that to be true. That's and... my problem. All right, cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like that's an interesting point. And I think you know it behooves us to 
really think more positively in general. I think it's just sort of a life skill. It's a good thing to have. I People agree with that. gain energy around positivity. I mean, it's just a good thing to, to exercise in. So people listening, if you just like to use Twitter to complain, think about that as a motivator to say something positive is, hey, maybe you'll get a stronger following if you if you try to be a little more positive once in a while. And I know coming from me lately, that's kind of funny. But <laughs> um, Let's just say no, ironic. But, <laughs> no, ironic, but, yes. That, that's, a good, that's a good way to say it. And, you know, maybe, maybe I could stand to be a little less grouchy from time to time. But, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just one of those things where I, I personally feel that, you know, if I'm going to be – if I'm going to get something fixed so that it need you know, in a way that needs to be, I maybe I don't know the proper private channels to go through to get Windows Phone fixed up. But mm-hmm. – and so – The fix, and so the fix it button? The fix it button. So, therefore, therefore Twitter is going to be my, my fix it button mm-hmm. and okay well and on that point i'm gonna use a real life example not like all these aren't real life examples but basically what happened is i have i use a certain company for my health insurance i'm not gonna go into who it was and how they colossally messed up if you're really curious you can go to twitter david v kimball and find out <laughs> but basically they really screwed up big time and i went through the private channels i contacted them slow response Nothing happened. As soon as I tweeted about it, I got the head customer support person gave me her like direct phone line, and we solved it right then. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? Yes. Because <laughs> so, I... to your guys' points is let's say we carry out Vernon's philosophy. Um, well, maybe that's a good philosophy to have. I mean, on some moral scale somewhere. I mean, I don't even know if it delves into that arena so much, but. It is proven to be way more effective to complain, like publicly and vocally, to, as a motivator, and I think that can be abused. So I think that you have to be careful with that. But after they've done something right, I was also quick to tweet out, "Hey, update on the situation. They fixed the problem." Yeah, uh, and all that. I think as long as you kind of think about those two things and think about you know ways you can praise entities or companies or and then when like what Vernon was saying when it comes to individual people you have to really treat it a lot more differently but yeah but in terms of service and in terms of companies and stuff think about ways you can praise and but also criticize when you think you need to all right that's fair i i've said that because i couldn't think of anything better um (laughs) what i i mean it's it's you're right david i think that I, th- I know that I tend to be a bit idealistic. I did not realize I was being, my, my philosophy was often re- idealistic until recently. And I kind of, my wife helped me understand it perhaps. I don't know what it was, a light bulb flicking on. And understanding that someone needs to be idealistic. Because if we just mm-hmm. settle, then the loudest settler brings everyone down. And, and the, the loudest voice brings everyone down. And if a if we're prudent, if I'm if I'm realistic and I just shoot for the middle, this is where we're going to end up anyway. Well, then no one then then we're never going to hit that. But if I'm ultra idealistic about something and really shoot for the moon or whatever, then hopefully we'll get close to that target. Uh, this is more of a life philosophy, so take that this as this episode you may. is deep. Yeah. Wow. So yikes. But David, do you want to add anything else to what you're? 
Okay, your blog post is titled Rest in P Windows 10 Mobile Whatever the Hell It Is. Um, you were obviously you didn't you typed that once in in a stream of consciousness and that's obviously fine but um, like do anything you want to add to this like maybe do you want to give specific examples because I think most listeners probably have a good idea of this some of the specifics. Yeah. Well, what's funny is yes, the, the permalink URL includes Rip Windows Phone. 10 mobile whatever the hell it is i like how the just the url displays it because it's all jumbled and like all thrown together which is exactly what i feel like is the case um like okay i I always talk about zune people are probably really annoyed how often i bring up zune but the thing about zune that was so great was i actually felt it was the better experience to the alternatives and back then you didn't have ecosystems and all these like global connecting services and stuff and so you were basically operated in a silo like hey could your device play music could it play podcasts could it play videos and then it became about well what kind of codec does your device let you use does your device let you use hd radio and it didn't become as important like oh is this other company building on your platform which is like the only thing that matters now and so back in the zune mp3 player days it was really easy to be a zune proponent and say yeah, you know, the iPod Touch has this freaking Pocket Gods game that I don't give a rat's patootie about, but the Zune HD has HD out, and that was unheard of, and it has an OLED screen and HD radio and all the stuff I really liked. And so that, like, in those days, it was extremely easy to kind of, you know, talk about a platform you really loved and why you loved it and move forward. Now, it's like it's got to have the bells and whistles and things you like. And it's got to play nicely with a bunch of other entities and have a good ecosystem and have a good cloud storage and a secure account system and like all this other stuff that, you know, wasn't previously a factor. And so what I'm seeing is the Zune phone is what I'm going to call it, Windows phone that I loved. It just got neglected by the marketing departments, I Mm -hmm. would say, with Microsoft. And I don't know all the details, obviously. I can't imagine how tough it would be to compete in the market. So I'm not claiming to have a better idea or better solution. It's just what happened and like how I see it. It was too late. It got neglected. They left it alone. Third-party developers didn't really care about it. Consumers stopped caring about it. And so it kind of went off into obscurity and... I don't know why at this point Microsoft is just not like, oh, yeah, it's basically dead. Like, they should just say that. Like, oh, yeah, it failed or something. Like, It would be nice if there was some type of public proclamation about it um, one way or another. And who knows? Maybe was it October 26th um, coming up? Uh, maybe we'll hear something about its potential fate. Maybe we'll get our oft-rumored Surface phone. Um, or, huh. But it would be nice if there was some type of acknowledgement on that fact because – uh, I mean, with iOS 10 and with Nougat coming out, Android Nougat coming out, uh, Windows Phone or Windows 10 Mobile, damn it, uh, is is once again kind of lagging behind in you know some of the really basic uh, you know. Is, I mean, it's always it's always been lagging behind in apps. I mean, that's yes. just that's yeah. just not that's just never that has never not been the case. Um, but you know, it's, it's also, you know, Nougat and, and iOS are starting to bring some things to the table that windows 10 mobile, God, I can never get used to saying that, um, um, that windows 10 mobile just isn't bringing to the picture. And I'm just, I'm wondering if Microsoft just needs to realize that maybe mobile isn't their thing, you know, maybe they're just not good at it. I mean, it's okay. Well, I can't swim. Yeah. You know what I do? I keep my black ass out the pool. <laughs> 
Well, let's rephrase that a little bit to where Microsoft mobile devices or mobile operating system, I should say a phone operating system is not, I'll just say right now, I don't see it coming back strong. I mean, it's going to take something quite different, if ever, right? But I think being mobile and also being on mobile are two things that they quite literally are trying to do. Being on mobile with all the apps, that is Microsoft's mobile play right now, One of at least one of their plays. And being a mobile operating system, like a Surface is very mobile. You can have a 6.1-inch tablet that is a mobile uh, computing device. I don't want to, you know, split hairs here, but I don't. I don't want to say that their mobile ventures are dead. It's just that when we think of a smartphone or a wind, a Microsoft phone, it's pretty bleak right now. It's, right. I mean, obviously. But I mean, see, that's the thing. And you know, you could talk about you know the surface and whatnot. I mentioned. I don't know if I mentioned on the air or, be- or beforehand. You know, I'm using a Dell XPS 13 uh, with Windows 10 on it, and Windows 10 actually is a really good operating system. I'm really mm-hmm. enjoying it. It's uh, way good. Um, but the problem is, is I and I think I my I was not looking forward to trying to learn Windows 10 again um, because I've been using Mac OS for or you know what was. We'll just call it Mac OS because otherwise it gets confusing. I've been using that yeah. for the last three years because that's what my day job uh, they get, they issued me a MacBook um, because they're pretty much all Apple all the time. Um, so the first day I showed up um, after years and years and years of saying I never want to use any Apple products, they give me an iPad and a MacBook and say go. Uh, well, they so looked down their nose at you first. They they did they did uh, and actually they did. Uh, I'm not going to lie about that. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but you know, I was not looking forward to trying to learn Windows 10 again, uh, mostly because of my experience with the Surface Pro 3 that I had, uh, which was, gosh, what, two years ago now, I think? Two summers ago? Um, because Windows 8 was a hot mess. Um, mm-hmm. And, it, and I, I have Windows 10 installed on a Dell Venue Pro 8, um, which is not a good experience uh, because it's, the it's Dell Venue... It's weak hardware. Yeah. It's weak hardware, and the Dell Venue Pro barely holds the operating system, let alone anything on it. Um, so so uh, I, that, w- that was kind of a bad experience. But then I started using this Dell, and I'm like, hey, you know what? As long as I don't have to swipe in from the sides to do anything, this is actually pretty decent. Um, as, funny. as long as I have a keyboard that's always there when I need it, this is actually a really good operating system. And, and so I was, I was pleasantly surprised with how good Windows was doing you know, as a desktop platform, and that made me just realize even more that maybe just Windows isn't meant to be a mobile operating system. Maybe there shouldn't be a tablet version of Windows 10. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just kind of where I ended up. Yeah, and I think in the middle, we're in this, in the middle of what's going on right now, honestly, it's a tape loop where Microsoft tries something and it miserably fails, and then they pivot. And then they try something else, and they pivot. And each time, by coincidence, I've happened to buy into the vision. Like, oh, wow, what they're trying is really cool. And each time, it fails. And then, like, that's why I'm super cynical about this Universal Windows uh, platform stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it's another really good idea. It could actually really, really work. In theory, developers could add a few lines of code and put it on more platforms. Are developers interested in that? We don't know. But, hey, it could happen. And, you know, people in the Microsoft fan community are like, yo, Universal Windows Platform, 
apps are the best thing to ever happen since sliced bread. And I'm like, well, you know what? No, they're not. Because on big windows that I love, like what Adam was saying, which is an extremely good operating system, the universal Windows platform apps give you a sub experience in my opinion to just native 32-bit or 64-bit applications yeah and so i'm already seeing disconnects and i'm already seeing the same stuff i've seen from zune from windows phone from windows 10 mobile and just other little things that they've tried that have just crashed and burned and people are talking about how great it's going to be and how it's going to change x and y and i'm like you know what give me windows 10 on desktop i will stay with windows 10 on desktop Give me Nintendo consoles for gaming. That's all I really want. <laughs> and for mobile, it's like I'm in this weird ethereal place where I'm not sure where I am at the moment. Well, it's interesting um, because if there's anything that Android taught us, it's that phone apps do not scale up to bigger apps. Yeah. Uh, because that's that was Android's bread and butter for a long time when they first... When yeah, they exactly. first, when they first, when Android first started bringing tablets to the market, they said, "Well, all your apps will scale up, and it'll be great." And yet, a Facebook app that where like every Facebook status was, you know, like twenty-seven inches wide and a quarter of an inch Ugh. tall, and you're like, "This is garbage. What are you? What are you doing here?" <laughs> um, but that that is what the first UWP apps were like, anyway. But I don't see that as much now. And let me just defend the UWP apps for a moment. And I don't really have a, I don't really care that much. But the idea that these apps can tie into each other and can, uh, as I understand it, is that the connectivity between those apps can is is going to be where they're going to grow and where things are going to work, supposedly better together. Now I don't want that to sound too optimistic, but that is what I'm hearing from people smarter than me that are talking about this and again. This is a soon TM thing, but some of yep. it is happening. Some of it is happening now. The and Skype preview app. I want to use that as an example because it gets so close to where I would actually be happy with a universal platform app, and it just doesn't make it. It, it doesn't like, make it exactly. Why? Why can't it do everything the Skype desktop app can do? Like it's close. It can screen share. It can do all this stuff, but it can't do everything. And to me, that's compromise. Like when I use a desktop PC, I'm about zero compromise. I'm a power user. I use every little ounce of stuff that I can. And I can't have stuff like that misses a few features because it's a new... I don't even know what... I'm just really frustrated with the with the Universal okay. platform. Well, we actually didn't even get to Adam's uh, portion of this <laughs> where we're talking Oops. about his blog post. And that's okay. But we'll, I want to table this little bit of a discussion here. So... Adam Dowd, obviously, you work for Pocket Now, uh, side job. Would you call it a side job? What do you call it? It's 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 my second job. Um, you know, I put in probably 10, 20, 10, 15 hours a week to it. It's it's beer money, basically. You know, that's um, a lot less time than I thought because you really do have a lot of great articles on there frequently. Maybe you're really really good at just uh, dictating these in, into a. Just saying them while you're riding a bike or something, but I I um, pound these things out on the train. I mean, I I, ta- I I commute to and from you know downtown Chicago, and it takes about an hour each way. So um, I've got about you know, but probably about five six hours of good writing time every week that I just spend on the train, and then the time that I I spend at home. Um, which is actually the time that I count towards the job because I figure I'm going to be on a train anyway. I may as well do something. Um, yeah. But and and so that's when I'm like you know putting together the uh, you know the the back end stuff, the photos and the layout and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I do I do write a lot, but it's because I write on the train mostly. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's pretty good. That's the clever time use of your time. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, yeah. I try. <laughs> so I, I think that you tend to, I don't want to say lifestyle posts, you know, articles that you share, but I think you 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 talk about the bigger picture more often. Is that is that what you're shooting for, or am I missing something? I, I try to. I try to hide the fact that I don't necessarily know, like, all the nitty-gritty technical stuff. I try to approach mobile as a consumer. Um, and that's kind of like my thing is if you want to get into a super uber technical post about all the ways that you can mod Android to start your car, that's, that's a, that's a Joe Levi post. Um, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, photography or audio, that's a, that's a Jaime or a, or a, or a Juan post. But for me, I'm more about like, why should I buy this phone to begin with? Or why, what, how should I feel about this phone as a consumer, as a, just a, a, a everyday kind of guy? Um, so, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of my niche, (laughs) I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, and I just, I try to find really interesting things about it. Like, uh, you know, I do some accessory reviews, but you know, the first, the first qualification that has to, that has to pass muster is, is this interesting? How is this different than, you know, a 300 other, you know, pitches that I get every day. So uh, I, I just, I, I look at it from an everyday average Joe kind of consumer. And I also try to get a little bit more philosophical about like how this could, you know, make society better, which is why I'm big into like mobile payments and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was excited today when I was visiting the hospital and I found out that the cafeteria took Android pay. Uh, nice. So, uh, you know, that's it. I like to, I like to see how, our 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 technology affects you know society as well as individuals well that's a really good reason listeners to go check out his stuff at pocket now so go do that 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 and it'll make my editor happy so let's go with that (laughs) so you had a post called microsoft killing the lumia and this was basically spurred you know it was actual um like a news item where which i mean it started but with that and you really elaborated on well, both sides, both sides of this. And it's really easy for someone, I don't want to call this a clickbait headline, but that's almost what um, Microsoft basically said as far as Lumia. They didn't say phone, you know, mobile, right. whatever. Right. But uh, you, instead of it being a full clickbait, bait, clickbait article, you really, really balanced both sides, in my opinion. And I want to hear more about this balance. I mean, yeah, tell us, you know. Okay, that's yeah. why you're on the show. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So um, basically, it came out um, about halfway through last month that yeah. Microsoft was going to just kill off the the Lumia line. They were no longer going to make Lumia phones. Um, and you know, obviously, Lumia is the line of phones that they bought from Nokia for you know eleven billion dollars or whatever it was. Yeah, um, eight, the, but yeah, yeah. And so. Uh, and you know they had a couple of they had a couple of Lumias that came out after the Nokia acquisition, but none of them really landed. Uh, the Lumia 950, I believe, was the was the latest um, mm-hmm. was the latest phone that that came out. Or did something come out after the 950? I don't think so. Well, not not well. The 650 did, but it doesn't. Come well, out. we it's don't. Fine. We pret- we like to pretend that that doesn't exist. So anyway, um, basically, what it came down to was what is killing the lumia mean um and is it is it just a name is it just we're going to kill the lumia and come out with a surface phone instead um or does it mean that we're going to abandon 
all hope ye who enter. Um, is it, does it mean that we're going to just pull back from the Windows Phone hardware? And so, yeah, it's, I, I kind of dug down into like the various levels of what it could mean, um, as as far as like you know what Microsoft was, what Microsoft was thinking, um, and what it would mean for if it if this was just basically a branding thing. What does Microsoft have to do in order to make that basically worth killing off the Lumia name? Um, I mentioned in the article, you know, the Lumia name isn't doing Microsoft a whole lot of good these days, but the Surface name is. The Surface is one of the one of the parts of the Microsoft mobile experience that's actually making money. So it's the consumer crown jewel, actually. I mean, it they're is. not really. Yeah, and so um, that's that's the one thing. I mean, if Microsoft is going to build off of something from a branding um, standpoint, they're, they're going to build off the name Surface. So if they can associate people's minds with this high-quality tablet and computer, and it really is. I mean, I, I've played with a Surface 4. Um, I got to review a Surface 3. I mean, these are good. These are good. This is good hardware, gorgeous hardware. So if, if Microsoft can trade off of this with a handset offering of some sort then that's fine except they're going to need to do a lot more and i should say it it will need to do a lot more to uh to boost the brand than just a simple rebranding it's going to take almost an entire philosophical shift which as i think david mentioned earlier that's that's what they do they shift they try something Mm -hmm. it fails they shift they try but in this case they're going to need to they're going to need to do something that really ties the experience together. And if they're going to brand the Surface phone along with the Surface tablet, there needs to be something that they have in common. You know, need, they need to work together. They need to be either continuum or something. They need to all work together. And that's been the thing that I've been wanting my Windows phone to do from the very beginning. There's, you know, there's 80% of the computers in this world are running Windows why aren't our phones working along with that? And that's that's the one thing that I think Microsoft has been missing all this time. And I'm really hoping that someday they can do it. But in the meantime, I'm going to judge the platform on what it does today. Um, no, but Adam, remember in Windows 8 when you changed the theme color, it would also change the theme color on your Windows Phone 8 device? Yay. <laughs> Killer feature Isn't that there. what you've been talking about all along? No, <laughs> it's actually not. <laughs> um, but no, I just, I there needs to be, like, I mean, even Apple, I can answer my iPhone calls on my MacBook if I want to. You know, there's it's just something stupid like that is really neat. <laughs> Except, of totally. course, when you're sitting at your desk with a MacBook and two iPads and an iPhone and they all start ringing, and not at the yeah. same time. <laughs> oh, man. So, that's always well, I have to say, like... <laughs> One thing I love doing that I won't get if I get an Android phone is I love absolutely love sitting at my desk at work and I can hit the Windows key and type in text this person's name and hit enter with my message and my phone will send the text message. Like I love that. Um, that is neat. And I understand like you know Mac OS and iOS can do that also with you know iMessage and, and the sort. But right. But like Microsoft gets close, and and like they have something like Continuum or like wireless charging, which still isn't really mainstream in the smartphone market, or just a gorgeous camera, like a few jewels that are just make it so good. Yeah. And then, 
then just like then there's everything else everything else is behind and yeah and like the ecosystem is not as good and it's like it's it's almost like and i I hate to dip back into this pool but it's almost like the hp philosophy of palm if we stick an hp sticker on it that means everyone's gonna go buy it right um and it's like if we stick a great phone on or if we stick a great camera on this phone that means everyone's gonna go buy this phone right or you know if we stick you know great hardware you know, on this, everyone's going to go buy it, right? It's not that. It's That's not enough anymore. It has to be the entire experience, and that includes mm-hmm. the dreaded A word, um, and that includes um, an operating system that is, you know, butter smooth, regardless of what you happen to throw at it. Um, that includes apps that don't randomly crash. Uh, it's the whole thing. Or apps in general, for that matter. And that, that brings me to another case of I, I can you think of something, Vernon or Adam? Can you think of something like if Microsoft released it today, it would impact the people that you work with or the people that you know in your neighborhood? Like Microsoft is almost completely irrelevant to people in my office or just people. Like it's this thing that they use; they don't care about it. But when you know Apple did their unveiling of iPhone Seven, then all of a sudden, like everyone in my office became tech fans. <laughs> like the iPhone Seven is not impressive really at all. I'm sorry. Kind of funny like, how that all, works, like, isn't it? In it. <laughs> yeah, it no, is. I and, would and say so, that the Xbox is, is in that category for people my in my demographic. But um, that's for consumers. Like that's a little different. Well, I, maybe I, I missed the, all of your question. Was that what, not what you meant? Well, or, like I think Windows Phone originally was for consumers, but it didn't at all work right which like, shouldn't have been for consumers it should have stayed for enterprise in my opinion well with phone in 2010 they were definitely aiming towards oh, yeah. consumers and stuff for sure yeah. anyway but that's that's a whole other discussion but the point is like i think microsoft is is fighting an uphill battle and like what adam said like maybe windows is just meant to be on desktop and not a phone job not because you can't do awesome stuff with that potentially right like we like we've been talking about for this whole episode but because it's not because people don't make the connection people don't have that emotional connection to you know they're very used to their windows on their desktops and putting that in their hands and in their pocket just doesn't maybe connect with people i don't know actually you want to know something that microsoft could do that would affect people's lives for windows phone put android apps on them Hmm. sorry that could help but is it really going to increase the mind share i mean is that that's why people leave but it isn't really a reason people don't yeah. go to Windows Phone. I mean, yeah. I think people are already settled in. It has to have some totally killer app. I hate that, but the killer well, feature. People just assume that the ecosystem is good, and people just assume you can get the Netflix app. People just assume all this stuff. So Vernon is totally right. Like, people don't hear this. Uh, this uh, platform has a very stable ecosystem. Oh man, I want that. Right. Like, no one thinks like that. But, but it's like those things are assumed, and if they're not there, then people are like, "Whoa, what am I even doing on this platform?" Right. Goodbye. Well, that, but uh, that being said, it could also be that's why your friends will tell you not to buy it. Is oh, you can't yeah. do anything with that. So yeah. you should you should go get the Samsung instead. Um, you know, and it's, it, it's just one of those things where. It would, it would, and I've written about this before too. Is do we want a short-term solution or do we want a long-term solution? But then the question is, because everyone says we want a long-term solution, but then the question is, okay, are we willing to do what's necessary in order to get that long-term solution? And do I have all the answers for what's necessary to get that long-term solution? No, I mean personally, I think Microsoft should, or I don't think Microsoft should. I think Microsoft would 
have to go to just about every major app developer and say, here's a, de- here's a Windows developer for you. Use them for the next six months and put your app out on Windows Phone. And they would have to do that for pretty much everybody. And I, that's not feasible. It's, it's, yeah. it's really not feasible. But Well, it's, it's also false incentive. And, and there needs to be true incentive. There needs to yep. be real reason for people to. I mean, like I just heard a a stat. Someone said that the 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 Facebook app has been run by Microsoft. You know, when the Windows Mobile Facebook app has been a Microsoft app for like four years, and that basically Facebook has never really done anything on its own with it. I don't recall that exactly being the case, but I can see how that. It, could be true something like that right and so because of that microsoft or facebook has no incentive to do the next cool thing with it they don't really care about tying whatever extra features windows phone windows mobile uh may set it apart from a different operating system they're not going to tie those into the app anyway because whatever why why i mean microsoft is just doing it for us anyway right um that's that's very true um but i also I had a thought, and it's gone. I'm sorry. I, I cut you off for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that was about it, I guess. So let's move on a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about this because it has relevance, I believe. Okay. Recently today, uh, today, Monday, whatever, the t- 10th, the Acer Liquid Jade Primo, uh, the price dropped by $200 on this, on this device and the accompanying, I think they call it the business bundle. It's four hundred forty nine dollars at the Microsoft Store. That's for the device itself. As I think it's two or three gig of RAM. It has a Snapdragon eight hundred eight. Not a new processor, but yeah, adequate. And uh, a fully fledged Windows Phone. And it does come keyboard, mouse, Continuum dock, and maybe something else. But I mean, it is hmm. it's the Continuum setup. Four hundred fifty bucks. Okay, the Lumia six fifty uh, Lumia. Uh, 950 mm-hmm. was $600. Well, 550 at the Microsoft Store, 603 AT&T. Um, who should buy this setup? I'm not 100% convinced that I know who Continuum is for. Um, because yeah. um, here's the thing. And, and I've written about this in the past as well. A Continuum is predicated on the fact that you're going to go to different places that have continuum docs you're going to slap down your phone and you're going to start typing on the keyboard monitor mouse and keyboard that are sitting on on an otherwise empty desk and i'm not sure i know anybody who has that type of hardware sitting around except for people that specifically want to use continuum um microsoft's use case the ones that they used to talk about during their demos all the time was well when you're on a business trip you can go to a hotel and they'll have a continuum dock you can throw down your phone and edit your your powerpoint right there i don't know a single hotel that has a continuum dock um with them uh, you know in stock and if that's the case then that means you need to carry around at least a mouse and a keyboard if not a monitor as well um, with you in order to use this continuum setup. All that being said, um, I can see how there would be a use case for someone who wants to have a monitor, mouse, and keyboard set up at work and another one set up at home so that they can you know, basically carry their CPU back and forth in between there. Um, if that's the case, 
I don't think they should be buying it themselves. I think it should be probably a work expense. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that a four forty nine bundle is necessarily a good selling point for someone who's probably really only going to want the phone and expect his his work to pick up the rest of it. Does that make sense? Maybe not that last part. I mean, the the company, like, I didn't pay for part of my work phone. They paid for all of it. Well, okay, but, well, then your, well, your question was, who is this for? Yeah, it's, okay. It's for companies, I guess, but I don't, Well, I think yeah. I think that argument is not very strong right now, but I can see, and this is the soon TM, and I hate that, but I can see in the future this type of thing, just like the, the Atrix failed. Okay, it failed, right. yes, but it because it was too, it was too early. Okay, it was also too and, expensive. Okay, that's that's true. With all, it was all close to a thousand bucks for the whole thing. I think, right? I think it was might have even been more than that. It was it was stupid. It was stupid expensive. <laughs> it was because I, I think the phone itself was something in the neighborhood of five to six hundred dollars, and then the keyboard dock itself was also in the neighborhood of like five to six hundred dollars somewhere in that neighborhood. So yeah, okay, a thousand dollars. We'll we'll say it was a thousand dollars for what amounted to a netbook. Yeah, yeah, a, a poor one, but we have plenty of op- <laughs> plenty of things that were could have been great, and I hate to even say this word, but the Google Glass could have been great. Okay, I think it was a concept thing that was either too early or just implemented wrong. The Microsoft Spot Watch. I mean, look at Zune. Look at the old um, Samsung uh, Microsoft tablets that they had a long time ago, running like XP or whatever. Okay. Those things were ahead of its time and obviously failed right. because I think they were well the 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 operating system you know the interf- the UI was not for a tablet right but it was too early for people. There's plenty of oppor- plenty of things out here where something's too early. Electric cars 150 years ago too early. Oh okay? wait, yeah like, yeah whatever. Um, so I'm not saying this continuum is great for business right now, but I think the continuum is good for some consumers right now. And I my case for that is that I work with a lot of people that make decent money, okay? I'll just say, you know, in that 30, 40 grand a year I mean, for for non-skilled stuff, people that some of the people that I work with around here that's adequate. All right. Maybe more than that. For I'll say 40 to 50 for most of them. But they still go every 2 years and they get a new mediocre phone. And they, you know, they'll spend $800 on this or $600 at least, but, you know, a month at a time. But they will not spend $200 on an HP stream, okay? They will not have a laptop. They won't, they won't spend $400 on a desktop or whatever. Um, but they will use their phone. They will use their phone as their primary computing device. Sure. And it's painful. It is not, it's not the good experience because I will have people that will try to they'll put together like a Word document or something like that. Or the people will say, well, I have a really hard time editing my resume on my phone. I'm like, are you surprised? I mean, like what, you know, <laughs> right. what, are you, what were you expecting? Okay. Right. And same thing with logging in, going to actual, like people applying for a loan online or people signing loan documents. That's something that my wife and I are actually going through right now. Having to do that on the phone can be a challenge. Now, yeah, there's... Let's just call it the Samsung Note 
well, I'll say six, okay? That's more likely to handle that type of thing. But I think when it comes down to it, you want to sit down with a mouse and a keyboard in front of a larger monitor, and you want to do some work, even if it's very rarely, even if it is whatever. I'll just call it rare. Okay. And I think for some, for if if the ripe consumer knew that this even existed, okay, for four hundred and fifty bucks, you could get this Acer Liquid Jade Primo, decent phone, weak app ecosystem strong back-end um, micro... I'll just call it overall Microsoft ecosystem, if that's where you want to put your stuff, OneDrive and all that kind of thing. Sure. And you have the opportunity to use it as a desktop. This can be your, let's just call it, not that powerful real computer. There's plenty of computers out there that which are less powerful than this. And people are using these little netbooks, people having a pretty horrible experience on a laptop or desktop people that have you know bought it eight years ago and like well i guess i better fire up the computer you know like whatever (laughs) um or they're using their their little 4.8 inch display phone on off of off of uh, boost mobile they're using that to try to i'll just call it do work do great computing work right and i think this someday when microsoft if and when they can market this to the right people and the right people understand that this is an option for them, I think this can be a very good solution for some people. And not talking about business people, but a consumer. That's fair. What did I miss? I don't know that you miss anything. I mean, no, you're, you're, you, you make a solid point. And actually, I think um, even more so than the than the uh, the workers around your area, I think where Microsoft really wants to focus is on the the next billion type of audiences. Um, you know, yeah. in, where you know by choice the people in your neighborhood um, are investing eight hundred dollars into you know decent phones and it's their only computer experience. Um, you know, there's people around the world that are investing a hundred a hundred dollars into a phone and that's their only computing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Uh, a continuum type of experience there could i mean actually i i'm not sure i mean at that point maybe they're just happy to be on a computer type device at all and maybe they exactly. maybe continuum is aimed at the the next tier above that um you know people that can maybe afford to use you know maybe not a, a separate monitor but maybe they have a tv with an hdmi or something like that um that they could use for continuum i i, sh- I should add that I have used Continuum multiple times in a hotel that did that obviously didn't have Continuum built in. Right. I just use a wireless display adapter. Obviously, I purchased that separately. But with um, DLNA and Miracast and that type of stuff, yeah. it's very possible. And, I mean, you know, I had the other gadgets. I had a wireless mouse. I mean, you can use the mouse on the phone and uh, w- whatever. It can be done. But right. I'm not saying it's a, it's a wonderful experience. David, so, Vernon, yeah. you just answered your own question. Uh, the continuum experience is not for consumers. It is not for business people. It is for tech geeks that like doing cool techie <laughs> things and impressing themselves or other people. That is what continuum is for. Right now, Microsoft wants it to be for X and Y. It's all the soon TM stuff that I don't really care about anymore. And really, what it is is for it's for techie geeky people. David That's is not is. wrong. No more, no less. <laughs> but I think I think what Vernon is looking for is how did they make that transition from techie stuff into 
mass consumer adoption. Uh, for example, and I think that's always the question that we all ask whenever Microsoft does anything these days. Right. Well, yeah. ju- to give you an example, and, and it's not just Microsoft. Google just came out with a new messaging platform called Allo. And um, <laughs> you laugh because you know exactly where I'm going with this. Um, um, I went out, I went to on a road trip uh, out to New York City where we met up with uh, you know a bunch of other tech bloggers and we used Allo as our group messaging platform and it occurred to me like halfway through this this road trip I'm like well of course we're all using Allo we're all tech people <laughs> but mm-hmm. as yeah. you know and and uh, by the grace of the gods I've gotten my wife to adopt Allo but that's about it <laughs> I mean you know I've texted other people other friends with Allo and I always keep getting text message responses back and it's just like you know damn it <laughs> This is new and innovative. Use it, um, and but it's the same. Yeah. It's the same question that every single company needs to ask: is how do we take this kind of techie, kind of quote unquote cool thing? I don't know if you can really consider Allo to be cool, um, but how do you take this if really you like Google? Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, how do you take this geeky thing and and make um, Joe Joe Blow everybody care about it? And that's mm-hmm. that's the unicorn question right there. Um, is you know well, how I do think, you make people I care? I think what it has to have is something different. It has to set itself apart some way. So, I, so let's say what let's look at WhatsApp for example. It was basically the first first uh, platform I can recall that was basically text messaging. You know, uh, overseas text messaging without text messaging data charge or um, right. you know, service charges, obviously. Sure. And it that was its core uniqueness. And not it wasn't the only one doing that, but it was the, probably the best one at it. It continues to get better, and that's where it's found its its niche. And I think, um, oh, what was the other example? Let's call it. Let's call Facebook. Facebook messaging. Yeah. Which, ugh, I mean, I hated for so long, and it was pretty <laughs> lame for a long time. And now it really is almost the the standard, or it's like the go to. It is the common denominator in many ways, and it just took a while. In that case, it just kind of force-fed itself on people, and eventually, fine, I'll use it. Right. But it does have something. Well, okay, better example is Snapchat, where it has it was just unique in plenty of weird, childish ways, and people adopted it uh, because it was unique, and it pulled people in, and they wanted to adopt it. Um, yeah. <laughs> they wanted now, to but, adopt it regardless of what it took. Much like Windows yeah. fans, actually. Now, <laughs> oh, let me make the point before I finish this Continuum thing, is that Continuum is the it is unique. It is the new thing. It is what the future... The future will be something like that eventually. I don't know if it's three years from now or 15 years from now. And I'd like to say but, I, of that, I have no doubt. Continue. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, eventually it will be. And so, unfortunately, I care more about being uh, on the right side of the future or, you know, right side of history than I care about going with what is popular. Um, And I don't know if that makes me just naive or wise or whatever, but I think that even if this dies, even if Continuum doesn't make it, something like this is what we will be using eventually. Um, And I, I, I want to adopt it. See, Vernon, that's where you and I are different. I've, I was, I'm sort of like you, or I was sort of like you in that sense. But now it's like, if that's great, 
I can be on the right side of history. Conceptually, Continuum's the best thing ever. But I've decided I've run out of time and patience to really deal with it and go through all the growing pains. I'll just adopt it when it happens. Yeah. Like, I I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of gotten too much. And so... That's fair. And I, I really I, don't I mean, actually use it much, but I still feel right. that it is... I think it's the wise choice. Just... Yeah, I'm not so convinced. Yeah. I'm not so convinced at all. Okay. That, that's... I understand that. So, um, Well, I put in this tip of the episode, and let's get all philosophical on this or maybe just drop it as a one-liner here. Tip of the episode. <laughs> Don't be a sucker. If you place your trust in a for-profit entity, eventually they will disappoint you. And there's if, if you're a tech person, there's all types of examples about that. It's the roller coaster that we ride and uh, sometimes it's pretty awesome. Sometimes it really sucks. But they are not in it for your best interest. They are making money. Okay? Yes. And, so, and uh, yeah, you want to add anything to that, guys? No, that, that pretty much wraps it up. Is uh, Well said. Yeah. Um, you know, they, there is the companies like a company, all companies, all for-profit companies care about one thing, profit. And if they can do so... By making you happy, that's fine. If they can do so by making you miserable, it's all the same to them. I mean, now I don't want to be like all like, oh, every company sucks. Um, you know, I don't want to go all like all South South Park on you guys. But you know, there are some companies out there that probably genuinely do care about delivering a quality experience, but only in so much as it will bring people to their platform so that they will use it and they will get paid. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, no, that's uh, that is a good that is a good tip. All right. Well, this is a good time to let sh- listeners know that we are not brought to you by Squarespace. Um, but thank you, <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of the MS Mobile Show, David and Adam. Thank you so much for talking about the uh, the uncomfortable and disappointing and all that stuff about uh, Windows Phone, Windows Mobile, and you know some of the Microsoft stuff too. Um, uh, both of you, uh, thank you. Um, thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on, Adam. It was really good to meet you, and uh, and I look forward to listening to more Tech Beard. And actually, maybe I'll have a podcast pick next week. That would be awesome. <laughs> then. Well, David, I've been recommending them for like a year now. So I know you're right. You have, and, I, and it looks so familiar. <laughs> well, we, we just <laughs> if only you'd listened. <laughs> we're putting our fiftieth show is coming out tomorrow, so it's a milestone. Um, and we got a special guest. Only for only took three years to get there. Only took three years to get there, and it actually, if you do the math, it only should have taken two. But that's because we're not exactly uh, up on that whole biweekly thing. So. Hey, my my first podcast was. Yeah, <laughs> needed so. work. But all right, well, listeners, thank you so much for listening. Of course, you subscribe to the show. That's the best way to listen. If you're looking to join our conversation in the Slack channel, that is an awesome thing to do. Uh, just DM me on Twitter. I'll get your email address in there and get get you joined in. Follow us on Twitter at MS Mobile Show. Email us at contact at MS Mobile Show. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Vernon El and David and Adam. Let everyone know where they can find you. Well, as always, you can find me on Twitter at David V Kimball, and I can be found at Dead Technology, spelled like it sounds. Nice. We appreciate each and every listener. Thank you for your support. Have a great week, everyone. Stay mobile.